Stanley, would you find your Bibles and turn with me to the New Testament book of Galatians this morning. Galatians chapter 4, we'll begin to read in verse number 4 on this day uh, before Christmas. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, God's great gift. God's great gift. Galatians chapter 4, we'll begin to read in verse number 4. I'll invite you to stand this morning, all those that can and are able and honor in reverence for the reading of God's holy word. We're in Galatians chapter 4, begin to read in verse number 4. The Bible says these words, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit, has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we ask your spirit would speak to us this morning through your word. Uh, I do pray, God, if there is someone here who's never received the greatest gift, God, you ever sent this world, that's Jesus Christ, to be Lord of their life. We pray they'll make that decision today to trust the Lord. God, we pray for those who are hurting this morning, uh, those who this Christmas is painful because of loss in their family. We pray, Father, you will comfort them and strengthen them today. God, we pray for one in their midst who needs revival they're not where they need to be in their spiritual walk with you. There's a day they received you as Lord. But Father, they're not living for you in all ways. Sins of either commission or omission grip their life today. We pray they'll forsake that, Father, and leave with a fresh, renewed relationship in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray you'll stir our hearts to share the message that the shepherds took that day, that Christ has come. It's, it's a message of good news for all people. And I pray that we'll be faithful in these days to, to do what you've called us to do, to share with others uh, that Christ has come and Christ can come into their hearts if they'll only turn and receive him. Bless this time. Be honored and glorified through everything that's said and done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. John three sixteen, very familiar verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's a gift card in that. It's to you. For God so loved the world. You can insert your name there. That's you. To you from God. Well, what was the gift? It was Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave. Many of you are going to give gifts tomorrow. Some of our, some will meet tonight. Um, you know, we've always had, my brother and I had tradition, we were growing up, really it was just the way we came up with smart wives to get a gift before Christmas Day. We'd exchange one gift with each other, you know, that was kind of like sticking the spoon in the pot before you serve dinner, just to make sure it's going to be, you just want to taste. Well, some of you are going to meet tonight and give gifts. Tomorrow, many of you will meet with family members, just with your family, before you go to meet with the larger family, you're going to give gifts. Well, God gave mankind a gift, and it was Jesus Christ. Paul wrote of it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse number 15. He said, but thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 
That is, human words in the human mind and the human heart really fail in being able to adequately describe what it is that God gave. I mean, we can describe and say, well, God gave Jesus. But, but Paul means by indescribable, we can't fully, there's no way we could ever with pen and ink or with tongue fully describe what it is that God has done for us in sending Jesus Christ. It's his indescribable gift. But through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul writing to a cluster of churches in the area of Galatia that had been really overcome and overrun by false doctrine about what it was to be saved and how to be saved, wrote a letter through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And in these few verses, verses 4 through 7 and part of verse 9 in chapter 4, the Holy Spirit helps Paul to describe the purpose of God's gift and the impact that he can have on anyone's life. God's great gift. God sent Jesus, first off, friend, that we might be redeemed. And so through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that's the first thing that Paul tries to describe in what this gift accomplishes. Some of you, you know, one of the challenges in receiving a gift is, you know, sometimes keeping a straight face. Because you've got that question on your mind, what is this? And what am I supposed to do with this? Well, Paul begins to share with us what Christ is, but also the impact that he has on his life. And the first thing we're able to experience is we can be redeemed. Look at your Bibles in verse number 5. Pick up in verse 4 again. When the fullness of time had come, right on time, people had been waiting. Since Genesis chapter 3, mankind had been waiting. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Can I just say as we begin our message this morning, people are wondering, when's Jesus Christ coming back for his church? He's going to come right on time. He's going to come right when God wants him to. Friend, it won't be a second before or a second after. He'll be exactly right on time. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Joseph had no part whatsoever in Jesus' birth. My dad played a part. My mother played a part in my birth. Mary only played a part in the birth of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. Jesus was born without a sin nature, born under the law. Why? Number one, to redeem those, look at verse 5, who were under the law. To redeem us from what? What we shared last week. And listen, friend, you need to understand this. As you seek to live on mission, these are three things you need to be able to share with people of sin's effect on their life, and only Christ can set them free from sin's penalty, sin's possession, and one day from sin's presence. Penalty, possession, and presence. You need to know those three things. You need to be able to share those because as you try to share something with Christ, just like when someone's maybe trying to sell you something or get you to buy something, they're trying to help you see why it is that you need this. Well, friend, I want to remind you, Jesus isn't a timeshare. He's not a new credit card that you sign up for. He is a gift to be received by faith. You receive him or you reject him. But there's nothing wrong with trying to explain to people the benefit that Christ brings to their life. And first of all, it's that we can be redeemed from sin's penalty. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. 
and all people who were born and die without Christ, without his forgiveness and his redemption, they go to a place called hell. Someone's asked before, you know, what do you have to do to go to hell? Absolutely nothing. Just be born and continue merrily on your way, and that's where all people head. That's where all people wind up. But God sent Christ, friend, that we might be redeemed from sin's penalty, and that's death, but also from sin's possession of our life. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can be free from sin's possession. That is, you don't have to be a slave to sin. So you're freed from, but you're also freed to. You're freed to a life now that can be experienced in Jesus Christ. Friend, listen, some people act like surrendering your life to Christ is just something you got to bow up and do. It's like years ago when people would, you know, be enlisted, you know, their draft number would come up. Well, I've got to go serve my country. Some of you tomorrow are going to keep a stiff upper lip. You've got to go to somebody's house you really don't want to go to. But you know you've got to go. You talk to some people and they act that's what it's like being saved. Friend, listen, it is a privilege to be saved. God could have let every one of us die and go to hell, but through his unmerited favor, that's his grace. He sent Jesus Christ. And so we're saved from sin's possession, but we're also we're, and we're freed from it, but we're freed to now live a life that we couldn't experience any other way. John 10, 10 says, John, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, but also life more abundantly. You're freed now to experience life that you couldn't have experienced in any other way. But we're also redeemed that one day we might be saved from sin's presence. Friend, this, what we experience here, thanks be to God, it's not final. There is a better place. There's a land called heaven, friend, where Jesus lives, where God sits on the throne, sin can't ever come. There'll never be a tear that's shed there. There'll never be a sick person. There'll never be a death. There'll not be any heartache, no separation. And my friend, you can only experience it through and by what Jesus Christ has done for us. You must personally be redeemed from sin's penalty, sin's possession, that you might one day be redeemed from its presence. Not only did God send Jesus that we might be redeemed, but number two, notice, he sent Christ. Christmas is all about Christ coming that we might be regenerated. That simply means this, friend, John 3, born again. Born again. We need to have a spiritual birth. Look at verse number 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, Paul writing to that church said, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Every person who's ever been born was born alive physically. I know that's a duh, or they'd be dead. When the doctor slaps the child's backside and they began to scream, that's a sign of life. And baby begins to grow and eat, and they make moments seems like minute-by-minute deposits down south. They're letting you know they're alive. And they're hungry, and they're growing. They show signs of physical life. But you listen to me, friend. Spiritually, that child is dead. Why? Because by one man, sin entered the world, Romans 5, verse 12, and through sin, death. 
And death reigned. All people are born spiritually dead. That's why Jesus said to a man who's very religious in John chapter 3, you must be born again. And when one trusts Christ, his Holy Spirit comes to live within our hearts and we are spiritually born again. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 says this, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. Not eternal physical life. And can I say, thank God we don't have eternal physical life. Listen, friend, our old bodies are made that we want to stay. I heard a pastor say years ago, if I fall dead in the pulpit, just let me go. Well, friend, I say call 911. I want to stick around as long as I can. But when God says that's it, I'm ready to go. I don't want to stay here forever. There's a time appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. But my friend, when you die, you're going to be more alive than you've ever been, either in heaven or in hell. And what determines where you spend eternity is what you do with Jesus Christ. But when you trust Christ, we have eternal spiritual life. And this life, 1 John 5, 11 says, is in his Son. Here's a simple truth, friend. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Listen to me, my friend. The only way you can receive the gift of Jesus Christ is through repentance and faith. I've said so many times, and it's true. I dare say there's any person in this room today who doesn't have Jesus Christ, look at me, right here. You know he's a historical figure. You believe he's God's son. You believe he was born and laid in a manger in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago, or you probably wouldn't be here this morning to celebrate Christmas. You believe Christ was born. He's God's son. You believe. My friend, when the Bible speaks about he who has the Son speaks here, look, 18 inches south. He who has the Son in his heart. He who has received Jesus. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That word believes means to trust as Lord. Not just to believe he exists but to receive his lordship over all your life. 1 John 5, 12 says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Verse 13 says, These things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. God sent Christ, friend, that we might be redeemed, but also that we might be regenerated that we could have spiritual life that could only be found in him. And 30 cent Christ, friend, he gave that we might be reclaimed because we were lost. Uh, sometimes you lose something that may be a restaurant. I remember when I was in school, they had a big old box by the secretary's desk. What do you think was written on the side of that box? Lost and found. I've lost my gloves and my mother's going to kill me if I don't find them. That's on the small end. I left my jacket on the playground. Then it really goes up. My daddy's going to kill me if I don't find it. Well, go check in lost and found. Listen to me, friend. All mankind was lost in the garden by one man, Adam and Eve. 
by Adam. Sin entered the world and death through sin. And separation happened where God, with his creation, Adam and Eve, walked in the coolness of the day. Now all of a sudden the Bible says their eyes are open. They realize they're naked. What's happened? Sin. Isaiah 59, 2 has separated God and man. And Jesus came that we might be reclaimed. Look at your Bibles in Galatians chapter 4. Christ came in the fullness of time, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Look at it, that we might receive the adoption as sons. That is, that we might be adopted into God's family. Well, what does that mean? I mean, I hear so many people with gushy words and all these spiritual hippie types trying to tell everybody that we're all God's children. Everybody is God's children. Friend, that's not the case. The way you're born in this world is this. John 8 and verse number 44, Jesus said this, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning that does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Every person who has ever been born since Adam and Eve, my friend, was born into the family of the devil. He's their spiritual father. The only way you can experience the things of God, friend, is to be born again, to be redeemed from sin's penalty and its possession over your life, to be regenerated spiritually, and then in so doing, friend, you're reclaimed. The Bible says when you're born again, you're born again into the family of God. When you were born, you were born into your father and your mother's family. Nothing can ever change that. There may be things that happen in the family. There may be problems that hurt relationships, but friend, listen to me. You're always going to be the son or the daughter of whoever your parents were. Nothing can change that. You didn't choose it. You were just born into that family. My friend, when you choose Jesus Christ to receive God's great gift, not only are you redeemed, not only are you regenerated, my friend, you're reclaimed. God receives you as his son and his daughter. Look what the Bible says. To redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And ladies, that means as daughters as well. You become the child of God. And there's assurance of that. The Bible says in verse number 6, And because you are sons, not you might be or you could be, look what it says, And because you are sons. When you receive Christ, you're born again into the family of God. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to be afraid you're going to fall out of it. Friend, I'm telling you, nothing can ever cause me to not be the son of Buddy and Melissa Chandler. He's my daddy. She's my mama. They always will be. Friend, when I trusted Christ, I will forever and always be the son of the Most High God. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. That's something to celebrate at Christmas. I belong to God. I've been born again. Look what verse number 7 says. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. A slave to what? To sin. We don't belong to the devil anymore. We belong to Jesus Christ. We're not a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. 
Friend, you may not have much here on this earth, but I'm telling you something. If you belong to Jesus Christ, not only are you rich beyond measure that you have Christ, but friend, the Bible teaches you've got something in heaven. You've got a, you have an inheritance. It's Christ, but there's also eternal life and there's riches you're going to be able to experience. We don't know what they are in heaven. And if a son, then an heir of God, and it's through Christ. You've been reclaimed. You are in the lost bin, friend. We're all born that way. But thanks be to God, friend, Jesus came searching. We responded to his call, and my friend, in grace and mercy, he snatched us out of the lost bin, and we've been found in Jesus Christ. You've been reclaimed. And so can I just say in passing, that behooves us to represent the family of whom we belong to. When I was a boy, my daddy would tell me, friend, Chad, everywhere you go, you represent this family. How you act, how you speak. And friend, I want you to know at all times, if you've been born again, if you've been saved, say amen. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. You're to represent your heavenly Father at all times. How you speak, how you act, and sad again, you've even got to say it with, with what you type your th with your thumbs, my friend. You are to represent your heavenly Father in a positive way at all times. Not only have we been redeemed, not only have we been regenerated when we received Christ, not only have we been reclaimed, but the Bible says also, friend, we've been reclothed. You know, and I, was, I remember that transition when I was a, a boy when I stopped getting fun things to play with and you started getting things that you wear. Y'all remember that? Like, you know, you're hoping, and it was, it was that hard time. You're like, I didn't ask for a sweater. What am I getting this for? I can't play with a sweater. Well, friend, when you receive Jesus Christ, you get a brand new suit of clothes. Not just at Christmas, but you are clothed once and for all and for all eternity. Look what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3. And in verse number 27, just, just look over to the left a little bit. Paul says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ. That is, you received Christ. The Bible says when, when you trusted Christ, you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. Baptism, water baptism, represents what happens spiritually in our life. We are baptized in Jesus Christ, and we we're raised to walk in newness of life. It's not a literal baptism, but a spiritual baptism when you trust Christ. He says, as many as you as were baptized into Christ have put on Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 13, verses 12 and 14. He says, the night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. He's speaking to lost people. He says, cast off all the wickedness and all the darkness that clothes you and marks you. And let us put on the armor of light. Well, who's that? It's Jesus Christ. Listen to what verse 14 says. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh or the lust thereof. And so what Paul is speaking of is 
spiritually what symbolically happened in the book of Genesis in chapter number 3. Remember, Adam and Eve had been given the garden. They owned the North Pole to the South Pole. They owned everything except for one tree. One tree in the midst of the garden said, God says, you shall not touch it for the day thou we thou of you will surely die. Well, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God created, the Bible says. And into the garden he came. And he beguiled, he tricked Eve. And Eve chose to turn from the clear command of God to take from the tree, to eat of it. She gave to Adam, he willingly ate. And the Bible says their eyes were open and immediately they knew that they were naked. They were just walking around the garden and have a stitch of clothes on and they weren't ashamed in it. There was no shame whatsoever. But once sin entered the world, then there was shame and they knew they needed to clothe their bodies. Well, the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 3 that God came walking in the cool of the day to find Adam and Eve and to spend time with them. That's worship. It's an opportunity for Adam and Eve to enjoy the presence of God. Friend, that's the essence of worship just enjoying the presence of God. But now they couldn't enjoy the presence of God. Why? Because sin stood between them and God. And the Bible says Adam and Eve were hiding over in the bushes trying to make aprons of fig leaves. Weaving together fig leaves to make a little apron to try to hide the shame of their sin, which was their nakedness. And God found that. Now listen, when God said, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. But Adam needed to think about where he was, naked, separated from God now because of sin. And he told God, I, I knew I was naked, and therefore I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Nobody had to. Now Adam realized, friend, he was a sinner, and he was in need of a Savior. Well, God dealt with the serpent, and God made a promise in Genesis chapter 3, in verse number 15, it's the first mention of the gospel. It says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. That's Jesus Christ. Her capital S-E-E-D. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so off the serpent went away. Sins entered the world. Adam and Eve are going to have to deal. But listen to what God did for Adam and Eve in verse number 21. The Bible says, and for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and he clothed them. Adam and Eve saw something that day, friend, that they had never seen before. Blood. They saw death. God had to kill an animal to clothe Adam and Eve, to reclothe them, to hide the shame of their sin in a way that their human effort couldn't. And friend, that's what Christmas is all about. God sent Jesus Christ, the little baby that laid in the manger. It was God's purpose from the beginning that that baby would grow into a man, would one day hang on a cross and give his life that you and I might be clothed in his righteousness. So that when God looks at us, friend, he doesn't see our sin. He only sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. What's so special about God's gift? He sent Christ that we could be reclothed. That no longer does God see the things, friend, that even after forgiveness still grip our hearts sometimes. That's condemnation. See, when Satan tempts you to sin, 
He tells you how great it's going to be. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. But then after you sin, he comes along, I call it the double whammy, and he hits you on the other side and says, well, I can't believe you did that. I thought you were a Christian. I can't believe that you would succumb to that kind of temptation and do something as sorry as that. And even when you confess it, friend, and it's forgiven under the blood, the devil still tries to come. Maybe when you're lying in bed and trying to go to sleep and say, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you. 30 years ago, I can't believe you said or did that. Can I get a witness? Does anybody know? Friend, listen, if you've confessed that, God, friend, has chosen to forgive it and to forget it. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see the person that made that decision that's been forgiven. He only sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because you've been reclothed. If you've never been saved, and you're here today, listen to me. You may be trying to work, so I'm trying to be good and do good. You're just weaving together fig leaves, friend. And all they do is just crumble and fall apart. The only way, friend, you can be clothed sufficiently spiritually is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, to put on by faith Jesus Christ. I'm so glad, friend. Listen, I wasn't always glad to get a new set of britches, and you can call me ungrateful. You know, forgive me, grandparents and parents. I wasn't always thankful to get a sweater and a new pair of pants for Christmas. But thanks be to God that he sent me a coat in Jesus Christ. That God doesn't see the sinner I used to be, but he only sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. God sent Christ that we might be reclothed, but not only that, but that we might be recognized. Now listen, if you slept through the whole message, you need to wake up and hear this. God sent Jesus that you might be recognized by him. Look what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 9. But now after you have known God, or are rather known by God. You see, sin separates mankind from God. God's greatest essence that you hear about today is not love. God's greatest essence is this, friend. Holiness. Our God is a holy God. And he will not associate with sin. He can't. He is holy, holy, holy. And he sent Jesus Christ, friend, that we might be born again into the family of God and so that not only can we know him, but that he can be known by us. And what the Bible teaches in Matthew chapter 7 from the lips of Christ in verse number 21 is this. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. What's he saying? He says, not everybody that says to me, yeah, I'm a member of such and such Baptist church. My daddy was a deacon. I went to vacation Bible school. Yeah, I've been saved. I prayed a prayer. I've been baptized. Jesus says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, that shares all these things that so many people in the South associate with salvation. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Not everybody that says, yeah, I'm a Christian, is going to heaven. Now, I didn't say that, friend. That's written in red. Who said that? I'm sorry? Jesus Christ said that. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. What's the will of God? The first commandment of Christ. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. To repent and to believe the gospel. That's to trust Christ to be Lord of your life. That's the first act of obedience toward God that anybody can do. To turn from sin and to receive Jesus. Not join the church. Not be baptized. Not just repeat after me this prayer. It's not the saying, friend, of the prayer. It's, it has to reflect the heart's decision to turn and receive Christ. If you understand that, say amen. amen. If you don't, I will say it one more time. I'm going to pray a prayer with you, give you an opportunity to pray a prayer here at the end of the service. And you hear me, friend. It's, it's not the words that save you, the saying of the words. It's the saying of the words that reflect the heart's willed decision to turn and receive Christ as Lord. Listen to what the Bible says in verse number 22. This is still Jesus speaking. Many will say to me in that day, what day? The day after they died, years after they've died, but at the, the great white throne judgment, when hell's turned upside down like a garbage can, and everybody who was cast into hell because they died without trusting Christ to be Lord of their life, Jesus says many at that day will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? That means preached, taught a Sunday school lesson. Shared with somebody how to be saved. Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? We've cast out demons in your name. They attempted to. They tried to do good things for people in need. And done many wonders in your name. That is, they did all kinds of good church activities that are associated with the gospel. And listen to what Jesus said in verse number 23. Listen now. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You see, friend, the question is not whether you know Jesus. Everybody look at me. Look up. Some of you don't like this kind of preaching. I see it in your faces. But friend, I'm telling you, it is on the authority of God's Word. This is the truth. It's not about whether you know God up here. The question is whether God knows you because you've received Him to be Lord of your life. That's what the Bible says right here. But now after you have been known by God, or rather are known by God. So the real thing you need to be sure of before you leave this world, friend, is this. Not do you know Jesus, but does He know you? And the only way that He can know you is for you earnestly and sincerely to be broken over your sin and choose to turn from all the sin that grips your life and you trust Jesus to be Lord of you. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is what? Death. Eternity separated from God in a place called hell. But is that all that verse says? No. The wages of sin is, what's the next word? The gift of God. The gift of God, his inexpressible gift, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And my friend, you're going to have a response, three responses tomorrow to every gift that's offered. 
Number one, you can receive the gift, you can reject the gift, or, don't act like you've never done this, you can re-gift the gift. Let's talk about the first one, receive. What does it mean to receive Jesus Christ as Lord? doesn't mean just to believe. We've already established. Jesus says that's not what it's about. Just a head knowledge. Salvation comes by turning from sin and trusting Christ to be Lord of your life. You receive Jesus into your heart. I always loved, friend, one of the things about going to my grandparents' house, you never had to knock on the door. You just opened the door like you lived there anytime. There was an open-door policy. You can just come on in. Well, friend, listen, that's the way you receive Christ. Not begrudgingly or, well, you can go into this part. You know, tomorrow, friend, if somebody comes to your house, you're going you're gonna to close the bedroom door. Why are you going to close the bedroom door? Because it's not the way you want. You don't want everybody to see what's in the bedroom. There's parts of your house you don't want people to go to. Don't act so holy. I know it's true. Friend, listen, when you receive Jesus, there's not a part of your life you don't want him to come into. You receive Christ to be Lord over all of you. If you've never done that, you need to do it today. You need to wholly turn from sin and receive, Jesus, receive God's great gift. Now, here's the second decision. You can reject it. You can reject it. Just say, nope. Not going to do that. You only have to outright say no. To not receive Jesus is to reject Jesus. Devil make it, you know, cutesy with you and try to be sly and say, well, don't outright say no. Don't outright receive, but just don't, don't outright say no either. Friend, to not say yes is to say no. And if you die without Christ, friend, on the authority of God's word, you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. What determines where you spend eternity is how you respond to God's great gift. Receive or reject. But church family, listen. There is no shame whatsoever in re-gifting Jesus Christ. He's called us to do that. The greatest thing you can do for anybody is give them Jesus Christ. Offer him. Offer him tomorrow. Offer him the next day. That's the mission that God's left the church. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Now listen to me. You better hear me this morning. There were people sitting in our midst 365 days ago that aren't here now. And I promise you that when they sat here last year, they probably really didn't give strong thought to the fact that they wouldn't be here today. And those people are in one of two places. They're either in heaven or they're in hell. And what determined where they are now and fixed for all eternity is what they did with God's great gift before they died. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, to be freed from sin's penalty and its possession. Friend, do it by faith today. Choose to turn from all your sin and to receive Christ as Lord of you. And the Bible says it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've gone, who you've been prior to this. 
He will save you. He'll forgive you. He'll come live within you, and he'll give you spiritual life. All those promises can be yours. You're going to be redeemed, regenerated, reclaimed, reclothed, recognized by God. And when you die, you're not going to the great white throne. You're going to march right into heaven as one of God's children. But only if you receive him now as Lord. If you've never done that, tell him so in a simple prayer of faith. Remember, the prayer must represent your heart's will decision. Pray just like this. God, on this Christmas day, day before Christmas, I recognize from your word what it is that you've done for me in sending Jesus. I see my need. I choose today to turn from all the sin that grips my life. And I open my heart and my life to Jesus to be Lord of it. Every room, every area of my life, I want Jesus to have full, complete, total access and lordship over. I trust Christ. I believe he died. I believe he rose again. That he lives. I want him to live in my heart and life. That's my decision today. You prayed that and you meant it just a moment when we stand at our feet. Would you not make your way to the front so I can encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life? Child of God, would you not commit today as this new year, just the dawn and the eve of this new year begins, to re-gift Christ more than you ever have before. The only hope this wicked, dark, decaying world has is Jesus Christ. Would you not choose to gift him? Now I want to talk about the third decision. If there's someone that's still sitting here today, and you won't receive Jesus Christ. You're rejecting God's great gift. I want to ask you a question as we go to invitation. You think about this. What is there in your life that you won't let go of that is worth going to hell over? There's nothing, friend. There's nothing that you give up, friend, that God won't give something better than. I urge you, friend, turn and trust Christ. Father, speak to your church today. Speak to those that are in our midst. Speak to those who still haven't chosen to choose you and to receive you to be Lord of their life. God, I pray that they'll do that today. Fathers, we talk and we give you thanks that you sent Christ that he might die. God, I also pray that we'll rejoice this Christmas that our Savior not only died, but he lives. And because he lives, God, we can have joy, we can have hope, we can have life. And Father, we can be a part of ministry that you've called us to be a part of. Father, I pray we'll seize all those opportunities in these days and re-gift you to a lost and dying world. Speak to needs now, God. Pray your will be done in every heart and life. It's in Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Let's reverently stand up.